They're calling the play before the snap of the ball to figure out how this pass is going to be completed. The teaching sheets to each one of you. Thank you, girls, for helping. See, the title of this message is... Uh, One of our old hymns in the hymnal, Times They Are A-Changin', um, very famous song that emerged in 1964 from a guy named Bob Dylan, and that was really um, a beginning of a very tumultuous time in our country. Not only was that uh, the year um, where, you know, there it was the beginning of assassinations and there was uh, a war that was heating up that was very unpopular, justifiably so in a number of ways. There was a lot of uh, peaceful protests, and there were a lot of um, social things that were being negotiated, and uh, there were a lot of good things that came out of that time, and a lot of disastrous things that came out of that time. And it's funny how things happen in cycles, but um, at the very beginning of that, of that time frame, which many of us lived through, um, this song was written. And if you've ever read the words of that song, it speaks about how there really are changes that are happening and uh, that the political leaders needed to adjust to the change and people needed to adjust themselves. Are they going to be passed over? It's really kind of, a, it's kind of, an, odd, it's kind of an odd collection of expressions that were very prophetic concerning what was going on in obviously a, a changing of the time that God had ordained. And we find ourselves in that type of an environment once again. A couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, God began to tell us that we were, in a, we're going into transition. How many times did he tell us that? Over and over again. And none of us really realized what that fully meant. We just knew that changes were coming. And um, then um, um, we, we have seen to be toward the end of last year that God was speaking prophetically, that God was turning the page, that there was a new time uh, in his eternal timetable that was being adjusted and established. He gave us a number of teachings from the word of the Lord concerning how we are partnering with God and his timetable and um, that in, according to his wisdom, he was turning the page. And that was said over and over again through a number of different sources. It was taught. And we are really, um, we, we prayed about that. We interceded. We fasted for a great number of weeks, even prior to the, the COVID um, release that came into the nations. And um, you can look back and in retrospect, and I guess that's always the way you look back. <laughs> um, it's kind of redundant there. But you can see that, that God 
was really warning us that everything that he's promised are, is true, everything that he said he's doing, he's going to do, it just may not be in the way we in our mind envisioned it, but we are truly in a one of those divinely ordained turns in the overall timetable of God. And being that we are so very much living in the days of the end, when those types of changes happen, they are profound in a more prophetic way. Well, I wouldn't say it that way. You know, like Jesus said, you are blessed because the prophets of old would have loved to see the things you're seeing. Wonder what they're saying now in heaven about the things we're seeing. And so with every turn of the page in the, the days that we're in, it seems to be more profound in its effect because it aligns with things that God specifically said were going to happen in the days that we're, we're, uh, we're advancing through. And so, but when, when those types of cataclysmic change happen, there's also the rising tide floating all boats principle where you see the enemy trying to oppose, you see things that are trying to be um, by the enemy design, trying to corrupt what God's intent is. You see people that when anointings are released, we, we said this many years ago, uh, when the anointing of the Spirit for the, the inception of the saints move was happening, that anointing will touch your life and you'll either respond to it or iniquities will flourish. And it's kind of like the, the tares and the wheat growing up together. That's the Lord said, you know, you just got to watch it and the angels will process it when it comes time for harvest. But you see, when the anointing comes, it will stir. And if, if you're willing to submit your life so that purpose can come and you can be uh, cleansed from and changed from uh, an iniquitous purpose, um, if you allow that to be, you will triumph. But if you don't, iniquity will reign. And so you see where, when God says, I'm going to move, the enemy comes in to try to stop it. It happened over and over again in significant moments in Jesus' ministry where unclean and blocking spirits would be there at juncture points. And you just, it's not that you're declaring it. It's not that you are overly concerned with it, but you've got to be aware of it. Paul said we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. And so we must recognize that the field we're walking through right now is highly supercharged by what the Bible declares about lawlessness, anomia, the wicked one, and that will, how it will move in the power or the energia of the enemy. And the enemy is all about injustice. The enemy is all about being done wrong in, in his mindset. And he uses that bitterness, and he uses that to try to corrupt people. And um, so you just have to be aware of these things and um, not, not be tripped up by them. Guard yourself. Stand. Make sure that you don't allow yourself to be ignited by these things. Watch the holes in your own boat and just, just be aware and believe for the pressing through. Um, 
I, um, I felt that we needed to, yesterday, about in the early evening, God just came upon me about this message that we are, we're going to look at today. And there's a lot of things in here about change. There's a lot of things in here that are prophetically supercharged in regard to changes that occur. Now, there's a number of ways that we're changed in, in the Scripture. The, the most important one is that we, are, we repent and we metanoia. We turn from our wicked ways in 180 degrees and we go after righteousness. That's, that's the ultimate change, but it's the beginning change. The Bible says that we, uh, we are changed from glory to glory. At every, and, and every point of glory does not necessarily mean that God has turned the page in something. It's that you have partnered with him in an apostolic assignment, and when God brings that to a point of completion, then you're ready to move forward into the new. It's the ways of God, and you are changed by that. That's what the scripture says. The Bible also says that we should not be conformed to this world, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And, and we certainly see that always in operation. We don't want to become peered into doing things that we shouldn't do just because everybody else is doing it. We should be transformed always. Those things are always operating. But when God comes to a cataclysmic moment of turning the page, then you see things that are spoken of by prophets, spoken of by those that are in key positions, placed there by God to affect the course of history. You see how those changes happen in them. And so yesterday, out of the blue, I wasn't, I really wasn't thinking about this. I hadn't been reading about it, hadn't been studying about it, just all of a sudden it was one of those things that it just came on me. And I have to tell you, um, I've been blessed just as you have to have a number of different manifestations in the Lord and feelings of his presence and different things that he has done to reveal things. And I, yesterday for about an hour, I felt like I was just, I was, I, I, it was like I was thinking in another realm. It was really a strange thing. It was invigorating. And, and I, I felt like, um, I felt like this is, this is, I felt that the way it came was indicative of what we're to be, that we are going to be come upon by the Spirit and we will move in a dynamic that is beyond anything we've known. Um, and I, I feel that that's part of this, this, the, this time frame in God. And we, we need to see it in the Word, which we're going to, and we need to begin to have an expectation that God wants to move in us this way. It'll, it'll manifest in a, different, in a lot of different ways for each person. But at least seeing it in the scripture and being prepared to know what's going on and what we should expect in it is a benefit. Now, again, the word of God is alive. There are so many things that having read through the Bible in my, my life 
and, and being raised in the scripture, studying the scripture, preaching the scripture. When, when God does things in us, um, it, it shows a meaning to some passages that had we not been moving in God in, in certain ways by his directive, we would not fully understand. Even though we quote the scripture, until you've uh, felt it, you really aren't fully able to tell it. And, and so these scriptures, some of the things that we're going to look at from Daniel and some of the things that we're going to be looking at in, uh, in the lives of, of others in the scripture, from David to Elijah and Elisha. And uh, we, we, we're going to see these scriptures, but I'm telling you, God is making this alive as more, it's as a rhema, yes, but it's, it's more of a, of a nourishment, an ongoing nourishment for the way God wants to use us akin to the way he used these people. So uh, I feel like, and I am eventually going to get to Scripture. Don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing about it is, is that there's so many ways that the enemy is trying to keep the people of God from going into their ordained identity and into their function. And, you know, we just need to remember what we're called to be and remember that God doesn't change. God doesn't change. That's our last verse in this teaching. But throughout the process, we keep on being changed. And um, we, we need to remember what he's called us to be and what he's given us to do. And um, that, that ain't changing. So let's look here at Daniel 2. This is a really unique point in the book of Daniel. Um, it's early on in his ministry there in, in Persia. And uh, it's interesting, too, that one of the most famous stories in Daniel about uh, the lion's den comes in the next chapter. And so you would think that with this amazing miracle that happens in chapter 2, that there's no way chapter 3 could happen the way it did. But it does. So that's first lesson for us, that no matter how powerfully God moves, don't get too secure in your position on earth. You just need to be frosty and you need to be ready. You, you understand what I'm saying? Because, um, you know, you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, tossed in the fiery furnace and the fourth man in the fire. That happens in the next chapter. And you think... What, what we're going to see here in chapter 2, how could that be? But it was. So just function for the Lord in the season we're in. Insist on what he's doing, but it doesn't really matter who's elected. Well, it does matter. But in five years, we don't know what the next scenario is going to be. In four years, we don't know what the next scenario is. We just need to keep partnering with God and keep being what we're supposed to be in our eternal mission and our eternal calling. Um, God, is, God is moving us right along according to his, his perfect plan. But you need to stay ready. Amen. So what happened to Daniel 2 is the king has a dream. And he, uh, he calls forth his magicians and his Chaldeans and all the other 
folks that are skilled in the spirit realm, and he says, you guys better give me the dream, you better give me the interpretation of the dream, you're all dying. Well, Daniel hears of this, and he gets a hold of the guy that's Arioch, and he says, hey, look, cool it on that. Give us some time. We'll find out what, what, what the, the dream is, what the meaning is. That's basically the backdrop. And my, my purpose today is not to explain that dream. It's about the, the, it's about the, the great uh, idol that's built, and man, dispensational teachers and prophecy teachers have sliced and diced and made julienne fries out of that for years. But that's not what we're facing today. We're looking at what Daniel's effect was and what happened in him because that's what's most important for you in this season. It says, we serve the Father. So Daniel 2, verse 16, Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, that he would show the king the interpretation. Daniel went to his house and made the king known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning the secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. It's interesting here because secret there is not one of our stemwinder words from the Hebrew. This is an ancient Persian word, and it's raz. It's where we get derivations, razzmatazz, razzle-dazzle. It just means something that you've, it's not common, something that's not normally seen. It's off the, it's off the beaten path. And, um, you know, you find things like that when you travel in different parts of the world. You, you, you come into different cultures. You come into different mindsets. You come into different histemes. And it, even though you're following after the mishpat of the Lord and you're following after apocalypsis and mysterion and that's, over, oh, that's overarching everything, there are some things that you really need to be a spiritual locksmith to decipher that are going on in people. And it, sometimes you go into different people groups, whether it's in India, and that's a, that's a, that's a crazy place spiritually, or whether you're going into certain parts of Africa or Europe or, or Asia or wherever you're going, you, you, you face certain things that time and people groups and histemes have formed, and it's just kind of weird. And that's what Daniel was dealing with. And he calls this secret by this really obscure Persian word, ras. And so that's a part of the equation that's there. You know, there are things happening nowadays, now in our day, that have never happened before. They just have not. They just, the, the, the mix of circumstances, the mix of things that God is allowing in this time frame that he never allowed before, the mix of how scripture is, is being fulfilled that, that has not been fulfilled to this point, all of these new factors, including the things that we mentioned just a few minutes ago, it's kind of a raz king, you know? Are you razzing me? That, that's another, we use that. Rose, I know, has used that with Scott. Um, <laughs> see, you didn't know I was going to pick on you today, did you, Rosie? But, you know, it, it just means, boy, where are you coming up with that? This is just weird. We're, that's off the map. What, what is that for? And... Um, so that's something very important for us to see that these guys, uh, Daniel and his companions, this was a, a totally different twist on things.
but that's okay. It's, it's good enough for, for the Lord to use these men to speak into the king. So Daniel blessed Elohim of heaven, or Elah, Elohim of heaven. And in the way he blesses is he, he bows on his knee. This is, the, this is an application of Barak. He bows his knee. And why would he do that? Because he recognized that he needed some measure of spiritual promotion to be able to step into this role. He needed to say, God, this is a new terrain here. This is a, this is a Persian mystery. And we're not intimidated by it, but you've put me in this position right now. I'm not going to rely just on my own capacities and my own seer's abilities and my own intelligentsia. I am bowing my knee because I know I need you to give me something that I didn't have yesterday. And I need to be promoted into this from you. And it needs to come from your heart. So I'm bowing not before Yahweh because really this, this, is, from, this is from your heart. Now, why wouldn't he bow before the Lord? Because I can guarantee you that this is a substructure. The plan of God was interrupted. It hadn't gone away. These people were all in captivity. The plan of God was kind of suspended for these years of, of dis, dispersion. And, and so uh, it, 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 the, the point is Daniel was praying, Lord, let, let us get back to what you ordained. Now, let, this is an aberration. Let us get back to that point of Yahweh's plan. Now, arguably in the plan of God who knows all things and, and foresees everything, this was arguably part of his plan. But it wasn't his perfect plan. I, I'm, I'm sure if you ask the Lord, which we know, he doesn't want anybody to sin. He doesn't want anybody to screw up their their purpose. He doesn't want anybody to go sideways in iniquity. God gets no pleasure from that. Any more than us as parents want our, would want any of our kids to go off the deep end. And certainly not our grandchildren, which we love much more than our kids. <laughs> I'm looking at the Stuarts. I look at all you grandparents. You know, that's not true, but it kind of is. Um, so, um, so if you say that the plan of God is for people to mess their life up, well, that's not God's plan. Does he foresee it? Does he know it? Yes. But it's not what he really wants to happen. Now, we can grow through it, but you know what I'm saying. So here is Daniel kneeling before Elohim because this is something that God's heart wants to do. He's wanting to reclaim his people. He's wanting to refine his people. He's wanting to get them back to what they should be doing. And it's really the burden of the heart, which is why later on in the scriptures in Daniel, you see even Nebuchadnezzar and Darius, they're, they're saying, get that guy because he, is, he has the spirit of Elohim in him. He knows Elohim. And it's like in the, in the times of uh, the prophets. You know, they wouldn't call for the man of Yahweh. They would call for the man of Elohim, the man of God. Cert, send for the man of God. Because there are some circumstances where you really are serving the plan. You're partnering with Yahweh. And that's a, that's a different kind of faith. But then there are other times where you've got to tap into the heart of God because the plan of God, these people have 
gone wheels off and they're way over here. And, you know, if you're trying to align them with the plan of God, it ain't working until they get back over where they're supposed to be. So you've got to touch into the heart of God there. And you say, there aren't three or four gods up there. But you, it's that lover and warrior. It's that, it's that Elohim Yahweh. And, and so Daniel kneels before Elohim. And he's looking for an empowerment. And that empowerment sure did come. And these foreign leaders and their wives would say, you better get this guy over here because he knows a part of the heart of God that none of us know. The spirit of that is in him, and it's manifesting. And so when you're ministering and you're kind of off the grid, and boy, do we find ourselves there a lot of times, you need to be pressing into the heart of God because that's your strength in that moment. Now, it's always your strength. That's the greatest power of all. But there are other times where you are standing, like when uh, Joshua and um, the priest, and um, you had, um, uh, you had the, the telling of, of being at the right hand of God and Satan resisting the, the appointment of that, of that deliverer. And Michael says, the Lord rebuke you. God says, the Lord himself says, the Lord rebuke you. There you were relying on the plan of God, that it's time. And I think, I think uh, that may seem a little over the head of a lot of you, but it shouldn't because you're living it right now. You may not have heard this taught before, but all of you are in that point. The, part is, though, the point is, though, that we need to seek the Lord. And if I take as long with the rest of these verses, we're going to be here through dinner. So I better keep moving. Should have heard at least one amen for that. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, so um, Daniel is on his knees before the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God, Elohim, for Allah, forever and ever. For what, what is it? Wisdom and might are his. We need to see this really clearly. Wisdom, this is his year of wisdom. And Geburah, which is where mighty men, when you see mighty men in Scripture, it is this word. And it's Gabriel's name comes from this word. So Daniel, who's just bowed his knee before Elohim, says, what I need here from God, and he's willing to give, is wisdom, and I need the empowerment to step into this measure of being a mighty man. Because in God is both of those. You know, the enemy hates both of these things. In this season, where the page is turned, you hear an attack almost every day against these two things. We don't want the wisdom of God, the world says. In fact, we don't even care. If there is a God, we don't care what he says. There's no laws. There's no rules. Just rights. And, you know, there are some who are advocating so much change, and I said this the other day, that they'll never take right for an answer. They'll never take yes for an answer. Because as soon as they take yes, then that ends their game. So there's always something more. There's always something more that has to be. We don't want wisdom, this world says. We don't want God. We don't believe in the word. We don't, we don't want laws. It's just there. And then there's another thing. 
we don't, we don't really believe in mighty men. Everybody's equal, just like communistic nirvana. Let's just all, you know, times there are changes. Let's go live in a hippie camp. Let's just go and smoke some weed and cook up some weed and some, some fudge and just sit back and see mushrooms in the sky. You know, let's just, everybody's equal. You know, we don't have to press in. There's no leaders anywhere. Let's, in fact, let's just, as Les mentioned, let's just defund any kind of authority. Let's just get, because just God loves us all. He's not going to judge you all anyway. There's no heaven. There's no hell. Are you hearing that anywhere? Let's just be. We don't have to strive to be better. Let's just be. You know, we really don't believe that there's, there's any structure in heaven. In fact, Jesus is praying. He's, he's God. He's just praying for anything he wants to do because the Father's really not in control. You know, he's not praying that the will of the Father can be done. You know, there's no strife with that. We just do whatever we want to do. We're God. There's no plan. That's what the enemy's trying to communicate right now. Let's just dissolve everything. Let's just exist. That's nuts. But that's what happens when, in opposition, when you see God turn a page in timetable. So here's Daniel. He's knelt, and he's saying, blessed be Elohim in heaven, because wisdom and the power to be a mighty man is found in you. We need to preserve those two things. We need to pursue after the wisdom of God and to be that and do that. And we need to take a stand for who we are. We need to stop surrendering things to the enemy. We need to stop saying, well, you know, I used to believe this, and it was really powerful. I knew it from the throne, but eh, I'm not doing it anymore. That is the lie from hell. I don't know if somebody's watching this right now, but I'm telling you from the Lord, get back in line. Get back in line with what God has commanded you to be, and be that. The enemy wants you to lay down and surrender. Stand. Take a stand now. Don't give up. So Daniel says this, wisdom and the power. Why didn't it say there are any other number of words of power that he could have used here? Why would Daniel speak about promotion and being a mighty man? Because that's what God is about. That's, that's, that's what he wants. He wants you to grow and develop you know, God is the one that puts structure in place. It's everywhere in the Word. It's everywhere in the Word. We need to keep pressing for the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We need to keep getting better and better in following God. We need to be purified. We need to be changed. We need to be promoted in our service. Be, be, be faithful in these things so that we can serve God to a greater degree. We need to be faithful what he's given so that we can become ruler over other cities. How many verses are there? But yet you hear people teaching that that stuff is not for us today. And they're blaming it on God. It is a lie. Don't buy into it. Be what God wants you to be because the one thing the enemy hates, and if you look at the scriptures, you see that he hates the calling of the saints. Read it in Revelation. Read it here in Daniel. The enemy hates what you and I have been called to be. 
He wants you to lay down your weapons. He wants you to not be what you're supposed to be in God. He wants you not to fulfill your calling and your mission. Because he knows if he does that, he has eliminated God's plan for what needs to happen in this earth through his sons and daughters. So let's grow up in God and be what he's called us to be. So here it is. And it look, look what happens there in verse 21. And he changes the times and the seasons. We're going to be looking at this word change. And he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and intelligence to them who will spend time just communing with him to become as sons who represent him. That's the meaning of the words. He reveals the unsearchable and the hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. I thank you and I praise you, O God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might. There it is again. And has made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. This is interesting. This is very powerful. Change here is a word that we're going to be looking at today. It's Shina is here, but it's from Shana, and it's another word, Shanaim, which we're going to be looking at. And it really just means to, to it's kind of like, how can I describe this? How about if we just describe the word as we look through the scriptures, Okay. Because if I tell you the definition now, it really won't have that much of an impact. But as you see it used in the scripture, you will. So the times and the seasons, it's the same time, it's, it's the same world, but things are different. They look different. And this is, this is interesting. So that's really what Sheena means. It's, it's to look different, to appear different, but yet it be a similar thing. Let's keep looking. Let's look in Daniel 7. Uh, here's Daniel giving an interpretation of another dream. Then he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, tread it down, and break it in pieces. Ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first, and he will subdue three kings. Get all that? And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and to think to change times and laws. Times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and dividing of the time. Remember when this is quoted in Revelation, those are all kairos. But the judgment shall sit and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. Let's talk. There's a lot of things here. We'll skip through it here pretty quick. The enemy wants to change the times and the laws. Times and laws. He sees God making this dramatic shift, and he wants to, he wants to utilize this for his intended advantage. And so he wants to change to... God wants to do one thing, but he, the enemy wants to change the focus. God intends to do one thing, but the enemy wants to take those things and twist them. 
God wants to do one thing and will do one thing, but the enemy wants to monopolize and to take advantage of the change itself. That's how he wants to change. That's how he wants to change the times. And he wants to change the laws. Boy, aren't we seeing that today? Aren't we seeing it today? Or am I just making this up? Am I living in a fairy tale land? Or is this really happening? Of course it is. So anytime there is a change ordained by God, the enemy will want to corrupt it and make it appear as if it's something different than what really is intended. And the, the people that are in the midst of this that are standing for what God wants are the saints. You see that here? He wants to wear out the saints. He wants to try to bring. Remember, that means to threadbare something to where you just keep thinking, okay, another day of grappling with this. And, you know, I just, I just, how many times have you felt? I, I've had it. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Have you felt that? No, don't raise your hand. We'll create a windstorm here. Might blow some of our toupees around. And um, <laughs> so, you know, the thing is, though, that we keep standing. And, and at the time where the enemy wants to change the times and the laws, it's the saints that are battling against that. I hope you, am I not, am I not seeing this? Or is this really what it says? It is what it says. And so, but the, the end point is, and the reason it's important to know that in the New Testament, that these are kairos moments. That there aren't years. Uh, in fact, the calendar back then when it was written is very much different from what it is now. Um, but the point, though, is that kairos moments come. And we're at a, we're at a confluence of an, an overall change, a great turning of the page in the, in the end time hand uh, the book of God, but we're in the midst of a lot of kairos moments where things need to be happening, and we as intercessors need to lock on to the heart of God and be mighty men and women in serving God and serving what God's trying to do. Uh, and I mentioned this in Sunday school. I mentioned it last week. When you see things that are happening that are almost unimaginable, mindsets and things that are being communicated, you need to recognize that this is one of these times where the enemy is trying to change the times, where he's trying to occlude and he's trying to twist the moment that God intends. And you need to be looking at that and say, okay, what is the enemy trying to do here to keep from happening or in, uh, an attempt to keep from happening what God has ordained to do? And there's a lot of them. They're very plain, too, if you just look at them. I mean, I, I believe that it's time for Elishas to rise up. All these younger people that are out doing crazy things. Um, I sound like an old-timer now. All these young people out there, Janice, can you believe it? Can you ever see anything like it? I tell you, in my day, none of that would ever happen. Yes, it did. Times they are changing. 1964, I was just a sprout at that point. But man, the crazy stuff that went on. Crazier stuff happening now. And um, you, you just need to look and say, okay, this is happening. God, what is this trying to mask? 
and you interpret that, and you as a mighty man, as intercessor, you begin to declare what God wants, that prosuke, you begin to declare that. You have power in God to do this. He's empowered you to do this as a prophet, as a saint. Make your declaration there. God knows the enemy's got is flapping his gums through every media outlet and on street corners saying all kinds of anarchy, but one will put a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand to flight, and we need to stand on behalf of what God is wanting to do. You know, there were all kinds of astrologers and magicians and Chaldeans and all kinds of people that were here, but only this guy got the right answer. So it doesn't matter how many of them are out there. It matters how much of God in you is speaking his ways. So the enemy wants to try to change the times, and he wants to try to change the laws, and he wants to try to wear out the saints. Now what does it say there in verse 26? The judgment shall sit. Now, this judgment here is not mishpat. It's, it's, a, it's an archaic, rare word, uh, din, and, and basically it's it's kind of a mix of a lot of koine languages. And, and it basically meant that what God ordained from the beginning is just going to be. No matter what nonsense the enemy tries to do, no matter what war is there, our, our hope and our security is that what God intended from the beginning is going to happen. What his intent was from the beginning is going to be what happens. Boy, we got to keep that. Sometimes we wonder, Lord, how in the world are you ever going to turn this for the good? But he is. No matter what craziness the enemy does, no matter how he tries to wear us out, no matter how many ways that we have to do these things, and we do them gladly before God in serving and in prophesying and interceding, the one thing we do know that the intent and the purpose of our God is going to stand. Amen? So, look at this next one. Daniel 7, 28, just a few verses, two verses later. is one of my favorite verses. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. During this time, there are going to be tangible, tangible indications that you're being changed. Now, inside, the cogitations may be troublesome. And that's when you're dealing with a burden from the Lord, it's wrestling at times. Not with Him. Well, sometimes you wrestle with the Lord. But you, you wrestle for the position that God is intending. The violent take it by force. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and so forth. And you, you've got this war going on inside, but you keep standing for the Lord and don't surrender to the enemy or the world, and you'll be all right. But the point is that your countenance, your appearance is going to be changed. Look at Ecclesiastes. It explains this a little bit more. Who is as the wise man? Your wisdom. Who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom will make his face, panim, to shine. It will be brilliant. 
as the light, God's face in commune, it's the ways of God, you're communing with him there, the light is going to be upon you, but it doesn't stop there. The boldness of his face will be changed. Boldness, oz, this is one of the Hebrew power words. It means anything is possible. And God can do anything. Creativity. That's why um, the, the Wizard of Oz, where he could, great and powerful. That's why they chose that word, because there was no limit to what the people could believe he could do. It's a Hebrew word. And, and that capacity is um, on your face and you're changed into that. It's this same word. So as we're moving in wisdom, we need to recognize that we're going to be um, transformed. And we're going to be changed into what God needs us to be in this season as we're bearers of his wisdom and his light. And we're going to know this change. Now you think, well, how's that going to be? What does that mean? I think it's going to be, you know, what happened with Samson. You know, he would shake himself, and the Spirit of God would come upon him, and he would become mightier than, than anyone on earth. That, that's a change. You know, meekness is something that God values in his people. We, we, uh, we have great strength in God, but we temper it, and we utilize it when God says to utilize it. Part of this word for change can mean to be altered or a subterfuge or to be doubled. Isn't that weird? To have a double, you know, to where, oh, yeah, that's Tammy, but when she got up to minister, man, it was like somebody else was up there. And this happened a lot in Scripture. And we should expect the overwhelming power of God in this season to come upon us and we're like another man or like another person. This is what the Scripture says in so many other ways. But it is in alignment with this conjunctive of change in the overall timetable of God and wisdom. I love this. And um, for Daniel, you know, he would go through these times where he's standing before the leader and he's saying things that are absolutely as God talking from the throne. And in, in one point in that second chapter, the king got on his face and began to worship Daniel. It was so overwhelming. But then, like I said, the next chapter, some of his buddies are tossed in the fiery furnace. Daniel says... I, the cogitations of my head troubled me. In another passage, he says, I decided not to think about this for a little while. But then on the other hand, he's got this shining of the light of God upon him, and he's changed. It's, it's interesting. We're, we don't, it'd be nice, uh, I can just say, it's, wouldn't it, Ava, wouldn't it be nice if you just walk around with that power just manifesting all the time? You know, you're like Superman. But God causes you to go through season where you're hungry for him. And you don't have all the answers. Well, yesterday, the anointing was on me, and man, boom, 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 boom. It was amazing. Not that you 
would say that, but it's, you just know, you reflect and you said, boy, whew, bring them on. But today, God, I need to get on my face. These cogitations, whew, can I just not think about it for a little while? See, it's, it's amazing, that hungry and full, that, that lover makes the way for the warrior, but then you've got to bow on your knee before Elohim again and get that strength. But people will see you and they'll say, man, look at that. I always am suspicious of when you hear people glorify ministries and they think that some people who are just being used to the Lord are just that way all the time. Listen, it ain't that way. I hate to burst your bubble, but it is not that way. I loved reading those accounts, those biographies of the guys that were ministering in Brownsville, and how there'd be people lined up outside trying to get into the building for hours before. And you read these guys, and they say, you know, we came out of that meeting, the next day I was ready to quit. I was just done. No, <gasps> how could that be? I thought they walked in the glory all the time. Well, God just does things this way. And you better know, that's why a lot of people who move evangelistically, you find that they live a very troubled life because they don't know how to do that swing. They can be before thousands of people, miracles happening, and then they go home and they don't know how to handle it. So they turn to Jack Daniels as their counselor. It's true. And I'm not faulting anybody. I'm just saying we've got to know how to handle the shift in in being in the anointing for the moment and then being in that position where you are hungry for God. Some you gotta know, you gotta know that if Daniel had this, if David had this, look at Elijah. He's he's kicking it and taking names, and just a day or so later he said, Just let me die. Well, that old mean Jezebel. Well, we all have to face that because that is a virgin dedicated to Baal. You think we got any of that going on in the country today? You better believe it, as the old preachers say, believe you me, that's true. So we've got to know how to move in this change where, where our face is shining before the Lord and we're moving in his power and God is speaking through us and people are saying, man, the spirit of Elohim is speaking through them. You've got to be ready then for the downtime. God hasn't left you. While you're on this earth, how are the saints worn out? How can they be gaining victory and then God says, and then I let them be overcome and I let them be subdued. And then they come again and the kingdom's theirs. And then there's, a, read it, it's there. And it's God that's doing it. So we better know what to do. There's a lot of saints that aren't managing this very well over these past many months. I have to tell you, I've testified to this, and I will continue to testify so that you all can be ready if it happens to you. I'm not declaring it over you, but there are some influences now that will just confront you, and before you know it, you're thinking, all is lost. I've had it with this. You know, it's the, it's the energy of Satan. And if you buy into it, it's going to be like falling down the hill. And you're just going to roll and roll and roll and roll. Don't start the fall. 
stand. This is what God is doing. This is just, you got to be smart, you know? you got to be smart in the scriptures. David did something weird in, in, in defining this word change. We've talked about this from a halal perspective, but in 1 Samuel 21, verse 13, when he ended up in, uh, in Gath, and those guys were saying, hey, isn't that the same guy that lopped off Goliath's head? <laughs> What's he doing here? David realizes, I don't know, maybe his GPS was not working right. He ended up, hey, what am I doing in Gath? I thought I was going to Hebron. <laughs> so David changes his behavior before them and halaled himself mad in their hands, scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spit fall down upon his beard. Boy, I bet none of those girls were singing songs about him right then. <laughs> My, how the mighty fallen. But David knew enough about this principle, not only of halal, but of this change. Now, he didn't use it for a godly purpose. I still don't see how God is anywhere near him being, directing him to be in Gath right there. But maybe some of you, maybe some of you got an insight from God that this was God's plan all along. But I don't really believe David should have been there scrabbling on the door and spitting in his beard and pretending he was a crazy dude. Maybe God wanted that. I don't think so. Sometimes we get in circumstances and we blame it on God. Enough said on that. But this principle of change, and, and they looked at him and said, that's not the guy who showed up our champion. It can't be him. And the king says, why are you bothering me? You bring a madman here. That's not him. Well, in a positive way, God's going to come upon his saints in this day. He's already beginning to do it in wisdom and as a mighty man, and we're going to be changed in this time of massive change. But be ready when you're needing to get before the Lord and be humble before him and be meek before him because that shift, if you're not careful, will overturn your boat. And then you'll be blaming God and everybody else. Just recognize what you need to do in that time frame. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9. It came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you, shall man, before I be taken away from you. And Elisha said, I pray let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. This is Shanaim, which is kind of like a combination. You've got the, the word for face or the turning and you've got this change. Why would Elisha ask for that? Well, basically because Elijah had opted out for the season. And Elisha was going to have to do double duty. He was going to have to fulfill the role of that seasoned prophet as well as one that was beginning in the work, which was not God's original plan. So he wasn't asking for a double anointing. He was asking for a double portion of the Spirit. There's a big difference. And that double is shaniam. In this change, and that, I think all of you would agree that that was a major change in the time frame of God. 
Ahab was being thrown down. Jezebel was going to be eliminated. The, the, the rulers of the demonic structure was being thrown out. The new kings were being anointed, not only in the land, but in the neighboring kingdoms. This was a, you, I think we can all agree, this was a major change. And Elisha is there, chariot of fire. Give me that mantle. Give me the double so that when the people look to me having to do this job, I will have the vestige and the empowerment to accomplish both of these tasks. He uses that word for a reason there. And, you know, I'm just going to give you a clue here, and we've only got two more quick verses. I'll be done. Um, I've been asking God just in the bigger picture of the Saints Network, to start releasing where, where, where there are anointings that God has given that need to be active in this time frame, if those who had that anointing, who have opted to, to not serve, I'm not speaking anything negative, to not serve, I'm asking God to send this kind of thing so that we will be equipped. If you need to raise up a couple of new, like the Apostle Paul, you want to raise him up, if you, whatever you need to do, let that portion of the Spirit come and let us have that capacity. You know, I don't think God was sitting on the throne, you know, Elijah's just not buying into this. I guess I'm going to have to bring him up here. Don't want him to die. What would the what would the foreigner say? So I'll just catch him, and I just don't really know how we're going to get this done. You know, I had intended for Elijah and Elisha to be there, but it ain't going to happen. Gee whiz, my timetable's gone. No, God was more than willing to send what was necessary to get the work done, and we need that, and I asked the Father for it. Amen? But it's this business of change. And so you see Elisha then doing something that mighty prophetically, and the people would think, that's just like Elijah. But then he would do different things. And I know people have done the tabulation, you know. Well, you know, Elisha did uh, twice as many miracles. And you know what set him over the top on that was when they threw the dead guy into his uh, tomb, and he the dead guy sprung to life and Run out, and there are the Midianites. I still think that could be a mighty, a, a Monty Python scene. That's just funny. There's this guy. He's dead. He's raised from the grave. He comes out, I'm alive, and there's all these enemy forces, you know? Anyway. All right. Duplicitous intentions. Proverbs 17, 9. He that covers a transgression seeks love. But he that repeats, and it uses this word, a matter separates very friends. We've seen that in terrible ways. Talebearers separate friends. And um, we've seen the enemy do some things in this way to try to stop what the saints are supposed to be. And I ask God to remedy this in some way. And only he can do that. But part of that remedy is to ask for his spirit to be released so that those that have been um, deceived, uh, that what they were supposed to do, that we won't lack that. 
and that eventually there will be a, a prodigal moment to where God awakens them and they say, all right, I need to get back in, in alignment. But there, there is that. And so this is one of the ways that the enemy, and, and why would this word be used? You've heard people do this before. It's all in how you word something. And if they know, look, this is troubling to you. I can tell this thing to them, and man, it will have an, it will have an impact. It may serve my intentions in some way, but even if it doesn't, it's going to send them for a spin, and I enjoy doing that. There are people like that. It's horrible. I know that that's never happened to you. It sure has happened to me on a number of occasions. It's one of the enemy's great tactics. God help us all from doing that ourselves. But I just had to throw that in there because to have this word that is so powerful in the spirit realm used here, that's amazing. And the last one, and I end with this, and I warned you this was coming. Malachi 3.6, I am Yahweh. I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. God is in control. The one who orchestrates all of these amazing twists and turns on the prophetic road, there's one constant, and that is that God will never change. He is always wonderful. He is always powerful. He is always loving. He is always in control. That's been another lie the enemy tried to spin out. It hurt a lot of folks throughout the network that God is not in control. I want to say it again into the spirit realm. God is in control. He never changes. And what he said to you years ago, what he said to you, he is still holding on to that. People change, circumstances change, but our God does not change. Amen? So I encourage, thank you, brother. Thank you. That was a good amen. I like that. That did something in my spirit. I bless you for that. You got that prophetic hair color going on there. I like that. So I bless all of you. Times they are changing. But let's be wise in this time. You are sons of the Most High God. You are saints given life at this time to serve the purposes of the unchanging God in a constantly changing timetable. See what's happening with the spiritual eye, not with the natural eye. Don't be deceived by opinions. Gain God's opinion and stand for Him. God will never leave you you are serving him, and you're in the midst of great change, but it's for the better. God is good. Amen? Father, we speak blessing over the saints. We speak blessing over this congregation. I speak blessing over the great family of saints throughout the world. I speak your purpose, and I speak your constancy in the midst of this unique and ever-changing environment that the world is experiencing right now. Lord, bless this nation. Bless the people of God. God, thank you. I know I'm done, but thank you for what you've done on behalf of the Middle East in this past couple of days. Thank you for that 
historic treaty between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. Thank you for that. Continue to work your timetable and continue to, to generate goodwill for the, for, the, for the environment of revival that you have spoken and that is coming. God, thank you for that. We give you praise for that. And we thank you, Lord, that the days of ahead are going to be triumphant. So let's act like it. And I speak that blessing over all of your saints, all of your people. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've got a new amen corner right in the center of the church. That's great, guys. All right. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you uh, soon, and God bless you all.